say good black don't crack, they're not wrong. What's your secret? But if we think that to look better is to certainly get a better spirit in our heart and uh, to work every day to become a better wife, a better mother, a better friend, a better sister, then those values and attributes alone will make us more beautiful than we are now. Fear it! Own it! Take a minute and know that you are this power. the fire that our ancestors lit that carried us. Teach our children to claim their destiny. I say it's in the reach of my arms, the span of my hips, the stride of my step, the curl of my lips. I'm a woman. Phenomenal. How can fat girl be the best anything when cat woman is around? You know exactly who I am and what I'm capable of. Just like I know exactly what you are. When everything around you is dark and there's no one to save you but yourself. On the road to success, you will face hardships. You will face adversity. You will face setbacks. But how you overcome this challenge will define you. What you do after failure will build you. In order to be successful in this life, you cannot run when things go wrong. You cannot run when things get tough. You need to face those fears. If you believe in your dreams, there should be nothing that can stop you. There should be nothing you won't fight for. But this comes down to believing you can accomplish anything. Show them the fight. Show them you won't back down. In this life, you need to embrace the pain. You need to welcome the setbacks and love the challenge. Because through adversity is triumph. Success waits on the other side of your failure. You need to understand that life is full of seasons. The pain will only last so long. The struggle will only last so long. So you need to embrace it and go through it. Every moment of every day is for the hustle. Live with a purpose and fight for the dream. This is your legacy. This is your story. So tell me, how will you be remembered? Did you fight or did you quit? Did you run or did you push? This will be your story. There is no one that can beat you. There is no one that can outwork you. There is no one that is willing to sacrifice more than you will. That is the mindset you will need to be successful. 
And during these moments, you need to look in the mirror and remind yourself of who you are. They don't know what you've been through. They don't know the grind it took for you to be here. So from this moment on, I need you to show them. Welcome to On the Wake Up Radio, ladies. Welcome to Divine Femininity. Woohoo! Wait, wait, you know how I started using this. <laughs> Touching the wrong shit. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Let's eat ya. Come on down. Hey, hey, hey. Thank you, Empress Cindy. Thank you for putting on this wonderful production. Yes, welcome to On the Wake Up Radio. This show is Divine Femininity, The Awakening. Who's got your back? And so I am one of your hosts, Letitia, and we'll go around and introduce every, everyone and please just give your handle and we'll, we'll go from there. Welcome, Empresses. Good evening, good evening. You want to start us off, Empress Tareen? Give us uh, your handle and how we can find you, Empress. Yes, um, my name is Tareen, and as of right now, I'm currently on IG. Uh, my name is spelled T-A-U-R-E-E-N, and I am a singer-songwriter. I'm also a licensed insurance agent, and I'm currently in training to be a financial coach. So, yes, if anyone want to get in contact with me, you can reach out to me on Instagram. That's peace. Thank you. Empress Chanel, you're up next. Hello, hello, hello. This is Chanel. Um, I'm so glad to be on tonight. I know it's been a while since I've been in the building, but I'm super excited to be here with you guys. Um, I am a business coach. I am a wife, a mother. I pretty much do it all. <laughs> um, my main social media handle is couples in biz, B-I-Z coach. That's couples in biz coach on instagram you guys can reach out to me there and yeah let's get into it i'm passing the mic back to leticia all right empress maxine please let us know how we can uh reach out to you good evening and leticia so glad to have you back in the building you were so missed um Again, my name is Maxine Sinclair and my business is ministry and wellness. You can find me on Instagram at ministry underscore and underscore wellness. And also, um, I, and also I specialize in alternative solutions for stress, pain, and anxiety. And also I have a new show here on the wake up radio called it's Ms. Max health and culture that tunes in on Friday night at eight o'clock PM Eastern time. Thank you. I saw that the other day, but I think when I uh, caught it, it, you were already, um, you had already had the show uh, played. So hopefully we can uh, catch the re uh, play on that and you can catch the replay on, on, on otwtube.com 
Call in to 844-818-4433. Uh, catch replays on SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. But please go ahead and sign up to otwtube.com where your voice will not be shut down and you can speak your mind without being censored. It's FUBU for us, by us. And we want to shout out to our Empress Cindy Ashby, the great uh, producer of this show. And we have a lot to get into this Sunday. Um, we were talking about the awakening. Who's got your back? We have a clip coming up. How many of us have people in our lives that would care and be there for us? And so we're going to go ahead and get into it. I'm going to let uh, have a, yeah, we got the clip. Hey. All right. Don Herbert was a firefighter in Buffalo, New York. On December 29, 1995, he was battling a house fire when the building's roof collapsed. Don was trapped under a pile of debris and nearly suffocated. A local news camera captured firefighters pulling Don from an attic window. By the time his wife Linda and four sons reached the hospital, Don was already in a coma. I remember pleading and begging with him in the hospital when he was unresponsive, just, you know, don't leave me, don't leave the kids, you know, we need you, you know, we need you. You try to get him to squeeze your hand or move a toe or something like that, it just, we were looking for just about anything. Don Herbert did regain consciousness, but a few months later slipped into a minimally conscious state. He could respond to some stimuli, but was unable to communicate. Moved to a nursing home, he was kept alive by a feeding tube. I took him to one neurologist, and I was basically begging him, you know, to tell me, is he going to get better or isn't he? And he just sort of said, well, look at him. What do you see? You see what I see. There's nothing there. And I was just devastated. While Don languished in the nursing home, years passed, and his four boys grew into men. Determined to keep their father in their lives, Linda brought Don to birthdays and holidays, but says he sat slumped in his wheelchair, unaware of his surroundings. What was it like as a kid growing up and to see your dad like that? You'd think after 10 years of seeing him hooked up to feeding tubes and different machines that you'd sort of get used to it or something, but I really never did. Yeah, it made me sick to my stomach to go. You know, I didn't go that often because I just couldn't stand seeing him like that. Then one day, two years ago, the nursing home called with shocking news. Don had woken up and was asking for his family. How long you done? One of the nurses lent the Herberts a video camera to record Don's incredible awakening. His first words were a struggle. He hadn't spoken in nearly a decade. <laughs> family members and buddies from the firehouse rushed to Don's room. Blinded in the accident, Don recognized everyone by their voice. Everyone, that is, except his youngest son, Nick, who was just four when his dad was injured. That's Nick holding your right hand. Right here. <laughs> Did he understand who you were? He still thought that I was real young, and he went to, uh, like, put his hand out over me and uh, to see, how, like, how tall I was. And, like, we just kept telling him to raise his hand higher because he was trying to... Feel for me down low. How long have I been gone? Quite a while, pal. Quite a while. Ten. Ten years. 
When he learns that he's been gone for 10 years, I mean, he seems heartsick about it. Oh, yeah. You can, the sadness is palpable. He felt so bad. He thought it like he abandoned us. He felt so bad that he wasn't there for the boys. Did it feel like an opportunity to say stuff that you never thought you would have? Yeah. Here's my chance to really tell him about me and, you know, try to make him feel proud. Don Herbert's reunion with his family was brief. While trying to get out of bed, he fell and suffered another brain injury. He later contracted pneumonia, and less than a year after he woke up, Don Herbert died. His awakening was celebrated as a miracle, and a family member has written a book about it. But Dr. Nicholas Schiff, a neurologist at Wild Cornell Medical Center, says though rare, he's seen other startling recoveries and believes Don Herbert's story should be a wake-up call for doctors. Like George's mom, because when I went to medical school like 20 years ago, there were very various kinds of one-liners you get in medical school about you know ways ways of understanding a problem, and the, and the one-liner you get about brain injury was damage done. That you know what's done is done. What's done is done. Structural brain injury is unchanging. So with people in with patients in a minimally conscious state, it's not true to say what's done is done. I think we know enough now to know that there are some minimally conscious state patients where that statement is false. Wow. That is amazing because being in the medical field, you do hear that was done is done, especially with traumatic brain injuries. Um, after so long, they say this is the new baseline. They can't walk. They can't talk. They're, or they're, they're going to have a two feed for the rest of their life. Um, and for this guy to overcome such a feat after over a decade and to ask like how long have I been out like he knew something was wrong but he actually was able to overcome the obstacles that these uh practicing doctors profess you know and so we it, it does put into mind the perspective that they don't always know what they're talking about they are practicing physicians. And so um, it's, that's, that's miraculous how this man was able to overcome that, even though it was short-lived after so long. Um, I, I, I don't know that I could say myself I've seen anyone overcome such a feat, but maybe uh, you ladies have some uh, stories that you can share to, to what this man went through. Yes. Um, I just so happen to know someone that, um, a female that I went to high school with, she suffered an aneurysm, um, a few years after high school and she was in a coma for some months. I don't know exactly how many months, but I know it was more than two. And, um, she actually came out of it. You know, she was considered to be brain dead and that if she was ever come out of her coma, that she would be brain dead, you know, not uh, walk or talk again. Um, and she was able to come out of it. Um, she wasn't able to like walk fully um, on her own. And she did have some speech impairment, but she still was able to function um, in life in some type of way. Like she still uh, walks around. Sometimes she may need to use um, a cane, um, or I know she uh, she started off by using a walker and then later like a cane, but she actually um, 
put herself through therapy after receiving, um, you know, the therapy that you get from recovery. But she started to deny using a cane um, and things like that and really was determined to um, correct her own speech, you know, outside of getting a speech therapy, too. And she's she's actually she's still pushing forward. Um, It's been. I want to say. I know it's been over like 12, I mean, 10 years um, that she's actually came out of it. But, you know, she's still progressing um, every day. You know, I see how hard she pushes herself and she and she also has children as well. So um, I'm pretty sure that was a lot of her motivation of just being strong and just really pushing herself to get back to, you know, at least close to close to where she was. I think for me, it was seeing that she was still there with the family. She still brought him out during the holidays. She still brought him. You you get what I'm saying? Because other people would be like, just give up. You know, you just think about all the people that just give, give up. I have had family members that the school psychologists have said, oh, um, he's, he has a learning disability. Oh, he's never going to be able to read or write. And these motherfuckers was like, John, what is it? Um, St. John's um, came in number two, valedictorian. Do you know what I'm saying? So that's why, you know, after seeing it, I was just thinking like, sometimes you step into life and it, you motherfucker would try to give you something and tell you, oh no, this is it. This is for certain. And if you don't have people that's behind you, that got your back, then you will start to believe the bullshit too. You know, because sometimes it's not enough to just believe in yourself. You need someone else there to kind of say, you got it. Don't worry about what's in front of you. Even if you're blind, I'm going to walk you through this. And I think for me, that was that was everything. I, and I'm starting to feel like when he was out for 10 years, he was on the other side telling the universe and the maker, yo, let me just see my family. And they was like, you know what? Go ahead. Because the Grim Reaper had to come back for him. You get what I'm saying, y'all? Had to come back for him. And he still got to hold that baby. He got to see his son. Yeah, it was 10 years later. But how many of us would not give it a chance to see grandma or mama or daddy or uncle or whoever we lost again? Even if it's just for that win, one instant. And so for me, it's all about the feeling of knowing that we have to appreciate everything that we have today. The other day, Leticia, you weren't feeling well. And I'm far away from you. And I was worried about how you were getting around and who was taking care of you. And when I texted you and you was like, no, I, I drove myself. I was like, I wanted to get in a car from New York and come and get you to get what I'm saying. But I, I know I, it, it's hard because, you know, we have children, we have family and everyone's like, oh, no, I don't want to get the bug and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, like that means the world to me in, in everything. I used to work for, um, when I was in college, I worked for like a year or two, I think it was like two years, where I worked with disabled, low-functioning people. And I watched a lot of people come and go. They'd come to work for one or two weeks and was like, oh, I can't do this job. Oh, that person's spitting up. Oh, that person just defecating. Oh, no. And guess what I said to myself? Who knows where I'll be to fucking morrow? I will clean who's ever fucking ass or whatever, because at the end of the day, none of us is promised tomorrow. We could wake up and be paralyzed 
And the last thing you want somebody to do is to turn and look at you like you are nothing. That is so fucking mean. And that is like the lowest level of just dysfunction, I think, that society has. But I digress. It, that one just, it just does it for me. Love who you love and take care of your family and always have people's back. Even if you feel like nobody has your back, that is your blessing, your grace. Thank you, ladies. That's that's what's up because did you hear when they said that he could remember their voices? And I remember going through nursing school and they said the last thing that goes is the hearing. And so it would always resonate with me when I had a patient who may be there laying there in a vegetative state or they're on their way out the door and hearing certain people talk and what they're saying. Cause you don't know that, that it might reverse itself. And if you're saying all these ugly things or talking about the will and who's going to get what, and you standing over this person's body like that, and then they come to, they're going to remember that and best believe they will. And they're going to remember who said it. Cause that is the last, supposedly the last sense that goes. So if you're sitting up there, you know, talking over a, a body that you think isn't cognizant of what you're doing or saying, you're sorely mistaken. Because then when they wake up and they're like, yeah, y'all were talking over me like I was already dead. I mean, damn, you already divvying up shit. <laughs> I mean, you got to treat people the way you want to be treated. You got to treat folks how you want to be respected when you're on the way out the door and so for that gentleman to his family like cindy mentioned to care enough to bring him for the holidays and still be involved in his life because I've, I've seen that too in nursing homes these poor people young and old there's there's an array of people in nursing homes and people hardly come and see him they just that that's that's it for them they're there and that's it. That's that's where they're going to be. Nobody hardly comes to visit. And those are the ones, unfortunately, that are abused the most. Empress Chanel? Um, yes, um, sis. Thank you. I just wanted to ask how you live your life when you're a full body and mind is, is a reflection of your life when you're when you're ill. And we had patients that came there and some of them would have family members lined up to see them and others were not. And then come to find out the ones who didn't, it was because when they were younger, they were very, um, they treated their family very bad. So now that they're ill, you know, their family members don't have time for them because they didn't have time for their family when they were of sound mind and body. And I can attest to that because um, my father is that way. He's currently ill and, you know, growing up, he wasn't there for me at all. And, you know, over my years, I've talked to him about it over and over. I finally got to the point where I'm not angry about it, but I made peace with it. And now that he's ill, you know, now he's longing for, you know, someone to be there for him. And it's, you know, what you do when you're young will come back to you, you know, when you're, when you, when you get older. So we just have to remember that. That's facts. You're right. Cause I've seen that too. Did anyone else want to add to this conversation? Um, yes, I have a family member 
who is in a home. She was in a bus accident and she also suffered a, a brain aneurysm. She's been in that state for about, I want to say 12 years now. And the thing is, is that she's still alive. We're trying to figure out what keeps her on. And watching this video made me realize how much it's important for family to be there for you because this, you know, this family member only has one son. She's not related to me. She's my, you know, um, my aunt's husband's daughter. And she has one son. And I think in the whole time that his mom has been sick, he might have come twice to see his mother. And she's done everything for him. But, you know, somehow somebody must be whispering, God is with her and telling her it's still not her time. But I always have promised my mom, you know, hey, if you ever get sick or ill, whatever, you're never going in a nursing home. I'm going to take care of you because I know how important it is for family to be there. Like you said, the abuse, you know, I think Chanel said that about the abuse. When they see family members are not around, but they see that family members show up and care, then they know how to treat um, tr treat the patients differently. Emperor, should she? I'm a nurse as well, and I've seen this in the nursing homes um, prior to me being being a nurse, and you know, a lot of families like uh said, you know. Um, basically, you know, family says there, you know, will show a lot of support and whatnot. And it just seemed like it's all that person's mental stage, state as well. You know, um, you know, if they are really all that cognitive, like, you know, there and whatnot, um, I think that also has a, has a part to play and their willingness to fight for, you know, to get up and do for themselves. Um, but it is, it's hard overall um, to know what side of the fence, you know, that the person is gonna come out of that, that struggle. Um, and it's just, it's just sad. Yeah. But in this, yeah. this video, it shows, you know, a good side to that, you know. And I know that um, the nursing home that I currently work at, they also have those who are contract, uh, you know, you know, uh, I want to say people that are in the vegetative stage, but they do have PT available for those patients as well, you know, so that they don't be so contracted or... You know, it's just, yeah, it's just, can keep, it's just, hard. yeah. Empress Cindy, did you want to add to this? I actually wanted to say that when you were talking about, like, you know, people that I think it was uh, Maxine when she was talking about, you know, the, the son coming twice to visit. And I'm going to keep it real with y'all. Y'all know how y'all felt as kids when you didn't feel included. You know how you felt as a teen when you didn't fucking feel included. You know how you felt as a young adult and even as a grown fucking woman now. I think that at this point in our lives, we should not be making our children feel like second best to nobody because we all, we all are once a parent, but twice a fucking child. I don't, I don't 
think people understand that and how they treat their children. Recently had my dad's wife call me about to tell the business, telling me my sister, she's 25. She want to put her out because she want to come in late. That, 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 that ain't my house. But you know what I'm saying? That's my, you know, that's my sister. That's my, you know, through my dad. And she said, I can't, she called me to complain every, I mean, I, not that I want to hear it and shit. Like, I, we not cool like that. I mean, you, you, you pretty much took my dad for my mother, but that's a different story. And so at the end of the day, her daughter is telling her, wait till you get old. I'm going to fucking fix you. Kicked her down the flight of steps. I'm talking about they over there doing the most in Long Island, y'all. Fighting. Like, she tried to twist her mom's arm. Um, And then, you know, she was, she was, you know, smoking. And we're not talking about just weed. That flock of shit. So you already know how that shit go, right? Ready to rip off, eat arms and shit like that. And she went to rehab for that. And she came back. But her mother was not supportive. And she complained because she wants to put it out. And she called, the, the wife called me to tell me, your father's not supporting me. And my father told her, where were you when they were little? You went to church seven days a week. You did not have time for them. And now when someone's 25, you want to tell them what they can do? Shit like that. I don't care if you're getting up to talk to she's a Borgia every day. You've now ignored your fucking child. Like, what do you fucking expect? Not enough prayer in the fucking world. Because I think there's a pe uh, a scripture that kind of says you shouldn't, uh, something like, you shouldn't taunt your children or uh, somebody help me here. Somebody went to Bible school or something. You shouldn't um provoke your children. You should never provoke your children. Not saying that it's okay but we have to do so much fucking better. How do you make half a piece of fucking child and you treat your child like a piece of fucking shit? What is wrong with people? And so for me, I'm not saying that good people don't suffer at the end because it is what it is. But if you are here and you really trying and you doing what you need to do, fuck it, I'll come take care of you. Even if nobody want to fucking deal with you. Do you get what I'm saying? Because I know you're a good person. It's about making connections. And that phone call that I keep getting every day, I stop picking up the phone. I ain't even going to lie to you because I don't, I don't want to, you know what I'm saying? I don't have that with my children. I don't have, I talk to them. I, I tell my daughter she's beautiful. How hard is it for a woman to tell her child, a daughter, she's beautiful? How hard is it for you to tell your son he's handsome, he's intelligent? Simple fucking words. That when you are on your deathbed, when you can no longer walk, when you can no longer take yourself to the restroom, when you can no longer, there will be someone there for you because they're going to feel it in themselves. They're going to say, I remember when mommy took care of me, when my, my, my shout out to Vishal because, you know, she has to take her son because he hurt himself. Do you get what I'm saying? They remember little things like that. But if you think you can ignore a child and expect when you turn into the child and they turn into the parent, all oh, the tables will turn. But yeah, I've seen that within my own family. Yeah, that's true. They'll, they, hey, if you treat your you treated your children like shit, don't expect for them to be there for you when it's time for uh, you to be taken care of because you will become a child again. And speaking of betrayal, um, uh, yeah, so betrayal and what's the ultimate backstabbing for you? Um, Got him.
Go ahead. Making a call. Good. You first, Neo. just went dead. Cypher, where's Tank? You know, for a long time, I thought I was in love with you. I used to dream about you. You're a beautiful woman, Trinity. No bad things have to turn out this way. You killed them. What? Oh, God. I'm tired, Trinity. I'm tired of this war. I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of this ship. Being cold, beating the same goddamn goop every day. But most of all, I'm tired of that jagoff and all of his bullshit. Surprise, asshole. I bet you never saw this coming. Did you? God, I wish I could be there. And they break you. I wish I could walk in just when it happens. So right then, you know it was me. You gave them Morpheus. He lied to us, Trinity. He tricked us. If you would have told us the truth, we would have told you to shove that red pill right up your ass. And it's not true, Cypher. He set us free. Free. You called this free. All I do is what he tells me to do. I gotta choose between that and the Matrix. I choose the Matrix. The Matrix isn't real. I disagree, Trinity. I think the Matrix can be more real than this world. All I do is pull a plug here. But there, you have to watch APOC die. Trinity. No! Welcome to the real world, huh, baby? But you're out, Cypher. You can't go back. Oh, no. That's what you think. You're going to reinsert my body. I go back to sleep, and when I wake up, I won't remember a goddamn thing. By the way, if you have anything terribly important to say to Switch, I suggest you say it now. Oh, no. Please don't. Not like this. Not like this. Too late. God damn you, Cypher. Don't hate me, Trinity. I'm just a messenger. And right now, I'm going to prove it to you. Morpheus was right. And there's no way I can pull this plug. I mean, if Neo's the one, then there'd have to be some kind of a miracle to stop me. 
right? I mean, how can he be the one if he's dead? You never did answer me before. You bought into Morpheus' bullshit. Come on. All I want is a little yes or no. Look into his eyes. Those big, pretty eyes. And tell me. Yes or no? Yes. No. I don't believe it. <laughs> believe it or not, you piece of shit, you're still gonna burn. <laughs> God damn. Man. I remember that part. That motherfucker there. Boy. The ultimate betrayal. Who would have known he was going to be the one? Slick, slick. Have, have any of you uh, felt betrayed in this matrix that we live in? Does anyone want to share? Don't be quiet. I'm trying to think, you know, what level. There's so many different levels of betrayal. <laughs> but I think the ultimate betrayal that I've experienced was, um, you know, in a, in a friendship, thinking someone had my back and, you know, turned on me and, and, and gave up some information that I gave them in private, not to the level of this, because that, that was the ultimate betrayal. But I could always say I, I didn't see it. Was I shocked? Yeah, some, you know, pretty much. But whenever you're caught off guard, when someone does something like this, you just going about your day, him and Han, and then somebody turns on you. And it's always the people that are closest to you. That's the part. Oh, yeah, because that's what makes it the ultimate betrayal, right? Because they're, they're yeah. the closest ones to you. Yeah. I've uh, definitely experienced that in my own life. Uh, my betrayal I'll share was unfortunately with uh, someone I spent my life with. And um, I found out after many years that they had been married four or five times before. Hit the whole damn thing. I'd married this man thinking he had only been married once. And um, unbeknownst to me, I was the fifth wife. <laughs> but I didn't find out for years because he hid it. And the only reason I found out is because we were uh, investing in property. And of course I had to go through his paperwork. And me being who I am, I look at paperwork and I'll skim through it and sort it and oh lord, what the fuck is this? <laughs> he had a, a VA document talking about how many wives he had and I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. And not to say it would have ended things, but it definitely put a bad taste in my mouth and I was like, damn. Why didn't you just be honest up front? Like now I don't, I can't trust any damn thing you ever said. So was the whole damn thing a lie? I don't know. Anybody else got anything to add to betrayal? I do. 
<laughs> hey, I'm Angie. I know I wasn't on here earlier. <laughs> hey, um, welcome. I am so sorry. Yes, Angie is on the scene, y'all. <laughs> um, well, for me, my ultimate betrayal was I was friends with this lady for almost like a good three years, and it just sucks. Um, the fact that when you think you can call someone your friend and you feel so comfortable and okay to be open with them and and be able to share certain things that are going on, not even knowing that everything you're telling that person, they're going and telling somebody else, which really pissed me off because I'm one of those people like, if I ain't tell them, why are you telling them? I think one of the things that actually bothered me the most was because um, I think it's been almost three years and it was a hard choice to make and I did it. Um, I actually had an abortion almost like, yeah, I think maybe almost like three years ago. And the part that hurt the most is that she went and told somebody else my business about that. It pissed me off even more because I remember the day that I went and I was going through the process because it seems that they've changed ways to have abortions now. I was at her home you know, going through the process thinking, you know, this is a, this is a good friend. She wants me to come over, you know, to make sure I'm okay. And next thing you know, she's telling other people about what happened. And I'm just like, I, I can't believe it. Like I'm looking at her, like she can't be my friend. This cannot be my friend. And I, I ended the friendship because I was like, who, who needs a friend like that? For what? Tell you my business. And you're going to tell people about what happened and talk about my children and everything else. Yeah. Like you just crossed the line. After that, the friendship was over. I mean, she disliked me and she decided to tell people that, you know, I was using her and all this other stuff. And in my mind, like, that's perfectly okay. You know, she could say whatever she wants. I mean, people already knew the whole story because they already saw the type of person she was. So I'm not the one looking bad. So, but yeah, it's just kind of messed up. Yeah, that's some fucked up shit. Because you shared one of the most intimate and parts of your life with her and she just yeah that that's that's a sorry ass frenemy is what i call <laughs> who needs who needs enemies when you have frenemies <laughs> who needs friends when you have enemies uh empress taurine maxine or uh yashika did y'all want to add to that that piece Yes, well, man, um, there's so much betrayal I could talk about. I, I honestly um, can't even pinpoint which one to talk about, but I'll say this, you know, I've been betrayed by every single member in my direct family, like my immediate family, like <laughs> on some crazy, just on some dislove type of stuff you know like and even on spiritual measures like it's just deep you know um I feel like a lot of us are betrayed in our family too just because of the world that we live in you know the different programming um that people's minds are under you know will cause us to betray each other um and it may not even be um intentional it's 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 wild out here I, I think that one of the hardest part about betrayal um, is that when it does come from a best friend and just like Angie, I had the same scenario, you know, where I let my friend date a good friend of mine 
and she shared that information with him. And she told me, like, oh yeah, I told him, you know, you you had an abortion. And I, that's why it's funny Angie said that because I had the same type of story. It just hurt, it felt like somebody stabbed me in my heart. Like I hooked you up to date this guy. This is a friend of mine. Why would you tell him that? She didn't think anything about it. Um, but after that, like I said, this is a topic we were talking about earlier and something else is that is whatever you put out in this world is what you get back. Now she's in pain, suffering and all that. It's like, yeah, because you've been doing a lot of fuck shit over the years. <laughs> that's the way I could put it. Why would you, you know, and so that's the hardest part to me. And it's always the people, that, again, that's closest to you that pulls that stuff. It's just a jealousy. People are just very hurtful. Hurting people hurt people. I get it, but damn. Yeah, and it's almost like, why would you go tell someone something like that that so, could be so painful to someone else? And you know that it almost is like a narcissistic trait that we were talking about not too long ago, where someone uses your pain against you and then they go off and, you know, divulge it to other people and who knows how they slander you by telling other folks your business or whatever it may be, you know? And so, yeah, it, it makes it hard to open up to people, I think. And, and it makes it difficult to trust people, you know, from that point forward. Because if it's someone who is close to you that you felt you could trust with that intimate of information, then who do you trust, you know? Empress Yashika, did you want to chime in on this? I passed because I'm currently going through it. I feel you, sis. <laughs> and know that we have you lifted up as sisters. Because um, I definitely understand your pain. Okay. So, um, Empress Cindy? So, you know, while listening to everyone speak, I like, because I, I can just feel whatever pain you ladies have gone through. And it just feels amplified onto me. And I was thinking, my issue isn't, because we all been through some shit. Man, woman, whoever, um, my child just falling in the back. That didn't sound good. And I didn't rush to go help her either. Anyway, <laughs> um, and I, I, I think about the fact that there are people who put us through shit. Put, I'm talking about just put us through shit. And we kind of just, you know, off dirt off the shoulder type shit. Like, you know what? I got to get back up. I got to get back up. And I think for me, it was the moment that I find out that... Um, I had a, a tumor and fighting this tumor for the longest, malignant tumor, size of grapefruit. I go into the hospital and have it removed. Um, at the time, I was with somebody for like what seemed like an eternity. And um, I laid in that hospital for four or five days. Didn't come see me. That was betrayal. Because you could do shit to me, you could say shit about me, you could run, tell your, tell my business. For me, it's the person that I fucking count on to be there and them not being there. That is fucking betrayal to me. And then came on the last day, because normally they don't hold you for that long. But, you know, I wouldn't poop. So, you know, they keep you. Um, And he came and, oh, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. And 
I kind of said to myself, because I like talking myself out of like, okay, knowing someone's history. Well, you know, his mother wasn't there, so he doesn't know. You know, these are the conversations I was having with my fucking self. And, uh, and then I happened to have a patient who was a, a, a schizophrenic, so she was screaming all night. So I had to try to talk her into being sane for a moment. It was just madness all around me. And I freaking went home, and I remember him saying, oh, um, I missed my rib. And me kind of forgetting he left me for dead, right? Just forgetting it at the moment. And then going to do like a pop-up surprise, like surprise. And he wouldn't open the door because somebody was there. And I remember like leaving and not making out because I don't do, I don't do the, I'm ratchet, but I don't do the ratchet yet. Not like that. And I remember getting in my car, sitting there and him coming out and him going, oh, you're not leaving? And I'm like, I'm out in the street. Oh, I'm going to call the cops. I said, nigga, you going to stand your plan me? What you, what you going to call the cops and say? And he was like, no, I'm going to call. And I was thinking to myself, he showed you the first time when he didn't show up, right? And here you are. You about to get 50 bullets sprayed in you by the 13 fucking precinct because that's what they do. or spring a crack on you out here. And so that was the ultimate for me. But more so, I think I think about the fact that and it, this goes with the awakening video we've seen. For me, betrayal would be for me to get to whatever age I get to and I'm on my fucking deathbed and nobody fucking comes to see me because I was there. I was there. Do you get what I'm saying? I don't care about what happens. I don't, we could all fucking fall out. I fuck, it, I fuck with all of y'all. It's when it fucking matters. When someone is sick, and for me, that is the most betrayal you could do to anyone is to know that this person has been there for you and you could turn your back on them just like that and drop the fucking mic type shit. For me, that is betrayal. All this other shit, that's just fucking mm -hmm. distractions that we got to go through to get through to ascend to become better fucking beings. Oh, don't want to be like that bitch. Oh, don't want to be like that dude. You know what I'm saying? We got, we got through it. We here right now, right? We're doing bigger and better fucking things. But there's no way on this planet that I could know that any of you, of my sisters that I have met now and forever, and know that you're not well and you're at your last breath and I will not come to fucking see you. That is fucking betrayal to me. So, forgive me. Yes, agreed, agreed. Because I've been there multiple times, so yes, I feel that. That That is betrayal, because even not being there is betrayal in itself, so I feel you, sis. I'm sorry you went through that. It's okay, I'm here with y'all now, I'm good. What a party at? <laughs> I'm good now, I'm good now, I'm good. It's just yeah, something. They're, they're like lessons, right? They're like lessons. Yeah. You know, there's a song I like, I don't need another lesson because they always seem to hurt. They always, you know, and lessons in life hurt. You don't want to go through them, but you got to go through them to get through them to be the fucking person you need to fucking be. And so, Yashika, whatever you're fucking going through, this is just the stepping stone to take you to the next motherfucking level. Fuck all that bullshit. Drop that shit to the wayside. I tell you that all day. You got, you got, 
You got new friends, right? I know they say new, new friends, but we old, we got soul ties from before. That's why it work. I, I feel like I know all of y'all from before. That's why the shit work. You know what I'm saying? And so you're about to go to the next fucking level. This is like fucking Mario Brothers. Boop, 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 boop. Take the mushroom, whatever the fuck they take in the video games. And you just level the fuck up. And sometimes you got to be like, fuck them with no fucking loot. Sometimes you got to wake up and, yeah, detach from that. And sometimes in the process of having moments where you meditate, then you heal a little bit of time. Is it going to happen tomorrow? Who fucking knows? But at the end of the day, if this fucking world ended tonight, you cannot sit and hold on to that hurt. You know why? Because that motherfucker don't feel nothing. That motherfucker sleeping good. Remember that. Next time somebody betrays you, they sleeping wonderful. Get your fucking sleep on. Get your beauty rest. And uh, make sure you do that Jackie Brown they ass. Speaking of Jackie Q, she decided to join us. Hey, baby. Good evening, <laughs> sister. What you got? We, we're impressed. We got a little bit of good Q&A. Evening. Listen, I'm traveling. My apologies. But this topic is so mm, new, new in my life. <laughs> I could not, not call in. And um and thank you for for, like, for letting me jump in and speaking on this. This recently happened to me, and you know it had nothing for me. You know it's not it wasn't just one individual. It was a a few at the same damn time, and it's all because we are all in the race to help one another because we know the urgency. We know the, the dire situation that we are all in right now at this very moment. So there's a lot of us out here on our humanitarian shit. And I'd be one of them. So I'm helping because I love my people. And it took my people to back me up and say, whoa, what the fuck is that betrayal about? What is that about? It's, it's beyond me. You know, you can hate all day. You can, you can do that. But when you notice somebody is out here trying to make a difference, you know how you have these activists out here. Okay, well, I'm a new activist. But you know, when you have people out here really trying to make a difference because they love their own, then, you know, it's beyond me why people do what they do but i do say this i agree with cindy they sleep well at night they sleep well they don't lose sleep it's those that they hurt that lose sleep because of the the deep hurt but for me i'm on a mission it's about my legacy and when you're building your legacy you have to understand that nigglets like that are going to come for you. They're going to come for you. Because the one thing that we share um, is the tr same trauma. Some of us knew how to heal and move on and do the good work in the earth and, and be unselfish. And some of us are still the crabs in the barrel. Period. And it is what it is, but we move on 
Um, don't let it get to you to the point that, that person has enough um, power that when you wake up in your days, you give birth to them over and over again in your life. You have to close the chapter on them, accept them for who they are, forgive them, and move the fuck on. That's it and that's all. Lesson learned. And that's all I wanted to say. Thank you, ladies. Thank you for letting me have that. <laughs> you. We appreciate that. And um, I just want to let everyone know, welcome to On The Wake Up Radio. You can check us out on onthewakeupradio.com or otwtube.com. Call into 844-818-4433. Shout out to our producer, Cindy Ashby. And um, thank you uh, all for chiming in uh, on this topic. Um, which leads us to backup plans. Do we have a black backup plan? Black up plan. Do you have a backup plan in life, love, health, business, or when shit storm arrives, like right now that's hitting the East Coast? Okay. Definitely why we have to have a backup plan, right? So we need to be making sure we have our gardens together. And making sure we're prepared for these unknown, unforeseen circumstances that are occurring in and around us. Because sometimes people are going to fail us and we got the entities that powers that be that want to control bullshit that's going on in our lives around us. Whether it's weather manipulation or trying to force you to get a fucking euthanasia jab. So... We definitely need to know how to prepare and how to have a backup plan. Here we go. Keep in mind how different the world would be without these inventions. Check it out, guys. In 1968 and 1973, Shirley Jackson enabled others to invent the portable fax machine, touch tone telephone, solar cells, fiber optic cables, and the technology behind caller ID and call waiting. Dr. Jackson conducted breakthrough scientific research at MIT, where she was the first African-American woman to earn a doctorate. Anyone remember a time where you answer the phone not knowing who it was? Or how about slow dial-up internet before streaming? Neither do I. Thanks, Shirley. A woman by the name of Marie V.B. Brown invented the home security system in 1966. Brown's security system was the basis for the two-way communication and surveillance features of modern security. Her original invention was comprised of peepholes, a camera, monitors, and a two-way microphone. The final element was an alarm button that could be pressed to contact the police immediately. Brown's invention laid the foundation for later security systems that make use of its features, such as video monitoring, remote-controlled locked doors, push-button alarm triggers, instant messaging to security providers, as well as two-way communication. Security really that important? Yes, Edmund Berger invented the early spark plug in 1839. However, Edmund did not patent his invention. Now, 
Alexander Miles was not the inventor of the elevator, but he did perfect the invention, gaining the patent for automatic opening and closing elevator doors designed in 1887. At the time, he was also believed to be the wealthiest black person in the Pacific Northwest region of the United States of America. I mean, elevator doors aren't that important, right? Michael C. Harvey received a patent for the lantern in 1884 in St. Louis, Missouri. Although history credits Thomas Edison with the invention of the light bulb, fewer people know that Louis Latimer's invention towards the development actually made the light bulb to what it is today. Until Latimer's process of making carbon filament, Edison's light bulb would only burn for a few minutes. Latimer's filament burned for a few hours, giving us what we know today as the light bulb. Aha! Bet you didn't know that. Well, maybe you did. I don't know. You know now, this next one is a good one. And I bet you're using it right now. Air conditioning. This was invented by Frederick M. Jones in 1949. Jones designed a portable air cooling unit for trucks carrying perishable food. Portable cooling units designed by Jones were especially important during World War II, preserving blood, medicine, and food for use at army hospitals and on open battlefields. That man deserves a Nobel Peace Prize. Robert F. Fleming Jr. did not invent the guitar, but he perfected it, inventing the euphonica guitar, which produced louder and more resonating sound than the traditional guitar. After finishing his service for the Navy in 1865, he returned back to Massachusetts and went into business as a guitar manufacturer and music teacher. I'm gonna throw in a little bonus facts, getting this off my cell phone live right now. The actual inventor of rock and roll was a woman by the name of Sister Rosetta Tharp. And she actually came up with what we know today as rock and roll. Look up her music and look up the song Down by the Riverside. It was in 1944. Interesting fact. In 1889, William H. Richardson invented the baby buggy, or what we call today the stroller. It might not be the most interesting fact to some people, but imagine having to carry your baby everywhere. I mean, they still do in Africa and other parts of the world, but just say. So, Walter B. Purvis. This gentleman invented the fountain pen in 1890. Purvis said, the object of my invention is to provide a simple, durable, and inexpensive construction of a fountain pen adapted to general use in which may be carried in the pocket. Between 1884 and 1897, he patented other inventions such as a bag machine, a bag fastener, a hand stamp, electric railway device that switched magnetic car balance, and also invented other devices such as an edge cutter for the aluminum foil, cling wrap, and also wax paper. 
Philip L. Downing invented the mailbox in 1891. Downing received another patent for an envelope moistener and a desktop notepad. Downing also patented an electrical switch for railroads, which allowed railroad workers to supply or shut off power to trains at appropriate times. Based on this design, inventors would later create electrical switches such as light switches used in homes. Check it out, guys. Here it is. 1873 in Ohio, Charles Patterson became the first African-American owner of an automobile manufacturer. Patterson went into partnership with J.P. Lowe, and in 1893, Patterson bought out J.P. Lowe's share of the business and reorganized it as C.R. Patterson and Sons Company. The company built 28 types of horse-drawn vehicles and employed approximately 10 to 15 individuals. And in 1910, he left the carriage business to his son, Frederick, who turned the company from a carriage business into an automobile manufacturer. He was a college-educated man and was the first black athlete to play for Ohio State University. He was also an early member and vice president of the National Negro Business League, founded by Booker T. Washington. The first Patterson-Greenfield car debuted in 1915. With a four-cylinder engine, the car was comparable to the Ford Model T. The Patterson-Greenfield car may have, in fact, been more sophisticated than the Ford's car. The company soon switched to production of trucks, buses, and other utility vehicles. Around 1920, the company reorganized as the Greenfield Bus Body Company. For manufacturing cars, I'm like... Why didn't we know that? And why aren't we still manufacturing cars? We need to get on this. 1932, Richard B. Spikes received a patent for an automatic gear shift for cars. He also invented automobile directional signals and is credited with creating the automatic safety brake in 1962. Also, did I forget to mention that he invented the beer keg tap which Milwaukee Brewing Company bought from him and made him a very rich man. <laughs> uh, think about that the next time you go to your next kegger. On behalf of Mr. Spikes, you're welcome. In 1977, Dr. Patricia Bath and three other colleagues founded the American Institute for the Prevention of Blindness. She was also the first woman ophthalmologist to be appointed to the faculty of the UCLA School of Medicine, Jules Stein Eye Institute. In 1981, she discovered and invented a new technique for cataract surgery known as laser FICO. Harnessing laser technology, the device created a less painful and more precise treatment of cataracts. The laser FICO probe uses a system of lasers, suction and irrigation to remove the affected lens and replace it with an artificial lens that won't deteriorate over time. This combination of technology provides a non-invasive as well as most permanent solution for cataracts. You can thank a black woman for laser eye surgery. Incredible. Although Daniel H. Williams did invent the open heart surgery procedure, he was the first surgeon to do it successfully. He also opened Provident Hospital, the first hospital with an interracial staff in 1893, 
1894, he was appointed chief of surgery of Freedmen's Hospital in Washington, D.C. Lonnie Johnson began working as an engineer for NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory in 1979. During his time at NASA, Johnson worked on the Galileo mission to Jupiter, the Mars Observer Project, and the Cassini mission to Saturn. He earned multiple awards from NASA for his spacecraft control systems. But Johnson is possibly best known for his invention of the super soaker water gun. The inspiration hit him while he was working on an eco-friendly heat pump. I quote, I accidentally shot a stream of water across a bathroom where I was doing the experiment and thought to myself, this would make a great gun, Johnson said. The super soaker's success allowed him to work for himself and fund his own research in green technology. Johnson also holds over more than 100 patents. The inventor of the super soaker worked for NASA? Hmm. Interesting. Mark E. Dean is an American inventor and computer engineer. He was part of the team that developed the ISA bus, the computer monitor with color, and he led a design team for the making of the one gigahertz computer processor chip. He holds three of nine PC patents for being the co-curator of the IBM personal computer that was released back in 1981. Dr. Charles Drew invented the blood bank in 1940. He also invented blood plasma bags in 1945. He became one of the most important scientists of the 20th century. His developments in the use of preservation of blood plasma during World War II not only saved thousands of lives, but innovated the nation's blood banking process and standardized procedures for long-term blood preservation and storage techniques adopted by the American Red Cross. Otis Boykin invented a control unit for the pacemaker, which is a device implanted in the body, helps the heart beat normally. In 1914, Garrett Morgan invented a breathing device that became the prototype and predecessor for the gas mask used during World War I, protecting soldiers from toxic gas used in warfare. The invention earned him the first prize at the Second International Exposition of Safety and Sanitation in New York City. Garrett Morgan also patented his version of the traffic signal. It was the signal that eventually attracted the attention of General Electric, which bought the rights from Morgan for $40,000 back in 1923. Granville T. Woods, better known as Black Edison, registered nearly 60 patents in his lifetime, including a telephone transmitter, a multiplex telegraph, and a grooved metal wheel that allows streetcars to collect electronic power from overhead wires, later known as trolley cars. Wood's most important invention was the multiplex telegraph for block system in 1887. Woods actually defeated Thomas Edison's lawsuit that challenged his patent and turned down Edison's offer to make him a partner. For those who didn't catch that, Woods was the actual inventor of the telegraph. 
Thomas Edison tried to sue him and then Edison lost the lawsuit. In 1960, James West teamed up with fellow scientist Gerard M. Slezer and developed an inexpensive, highly sensitive compact microphone. In 1962, they finished development on the product, which relied on their invention for electric transducers. By 1968, the electronic microphone was in mass production. Wes and Setzler's invention became the industry's standard. And today, 90% of all contemporary microphones, including the ones found in telephones, tape recorders, camcorders, baby monitors, and hearing aids, use their technology. On November 11, 1969, Dr. George Crothers received a patent for his invention, the image converter for detecting electromagnetic radiation, especially in short wavelengths. He also developed the first moon-based space observatory, an ultraviolet camera that was carried to the moon by Apollo 16 astronauts in 1972. The camera used in the Apollo 16 mission produced about 200 photos revealing new features of Earth's far outer atmosphere, as well as deep space objects from the perspectives of the lunar surface. Ladies. Man, that's amazing. I didn't even know all that stuff. I have a book of African-American inventions that I've gifted my my boys, and I haven't even went through the whole thing. It, it's absolutely amazing how much we invented, and as I was saying in the chat, to make when we were physical slaves, because, and I use that term, I don't use it loosely, we were physical slaves. We had to find ways to make our work easier for massa. And then they took credit for a lot of the inventions that our, our ancestors created. It, it's that's, that's amazing. All that he had to, to offer is what we created that I'm just like baffled. So. EP pal who and when you go okay so while I was look because I knew some of this stuff so when I was gonna I was looking at like Mojo and all the different stuff like on the the fucking YouTube and they was talking about oh this white invented this and I'm thinking to myself nah man nah like who the fuck is this and it'd be like one white dude was trying to fight the other white dude for it but at the end of the day this is what the fuck it really is not even trying to be funny and about racism and nothing like that. We don't get credit for nothing because at the end of the day, we were not allowed to have any contractual paperwork because we were property and nobody remembers that shit because they'd be quick to be like, well, you know, pull your bootstraps up and you had the opportunity to and yada, yada. Even something like fucking Jack Daniels, okay, was something made by slaves. Who benefits from that? A bunch of fucking uh, a state of white folks benefiting off of alcoholism forever. Granted, it's not the best thing, right? Alcoholism is not a great thing. But hey, escapism is escapism. But there are so many things that have been invented. Like I was telling y'all, I used to love roller coasters, but not knowing, oh my God. Somebody look like me created this. That's why I love getting on this. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, the cell phone shit. 
Somebody like us, the internet, damn. Yo, you know white people don't like the heat. They should be happy that this brother done made a goddamn AC unit for them. You know how they act when the, the AC break and y'all ever been to work and the AC ain't working and the white people be like, woo, woo, Jerry, Bob, we yeah. need to get the people to come in here and fix this air. And it could be like negative two outside, but they can't live without the AC. Yeah, yeah. going through the change. Over there fanning themselves, got a fan on the face with the AC on. I'm like, damn, is it that serious? <laughs> yeah, you better be glad that one of our brothers decided to create that shit for you, especially because we are we are the sun people, so we we're able to tolerate it a lot more than they are. So my whole thing is I wanted to ask, is there anything that you ladies have invented or the elders or the ancestors that have taught you. Cause one of the notes I made, Leticia was like, I don't like to take medication. So I'll drink some garlic. I'll put some garlic in and boil it and drink that to bring my blood pressure down. Or, um, I do take insulin every week, but I know to kind of like, uh, during the week, what I'll do is I'll boil some cinnamon sticks and drink that water. And that helps to bring down my blood sugar. Um, just all these things like before they were inventions, mm -hmm. we, you know, there were things that the elders taught us. And so I just kind of want to know, uh, do it yourself is DIY, do it yourself hacks uh, of inventions that your elders, the elders in your family taught you. And that if the shit fell apart out there, you're good to go. Like, you know, do you really need a pamper? If you couldn't find pampers, what would you use? A cloth diaper, right? Or like something, or you let the kid fucking run around willy nilly. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, that's what's up. I mean, uh, I can think of hand washing. Like, we used to have to hand wash some of our clothes in a wash bin, a wash tub. And we used one of those, uh, it looked like kind of an accordion deal. And that's that's what we used to wash our clothes with a lot of times because my, my grandmother didn't have a wash, washer and dryer even into the 90s. Like, she didn't have that shit. And so we would have to hand wash a lot of our clothes, our underwear and stuff, and hang them out on the clothes, the you know, the the line to dry. So, you know, you we would wash them in, in the tub by stomping them. <laughs> we were the washing machine with our feet. <laughs> so, shoot, you, you find a way, you make a way for real. And you got to, you know. So... Yashika, you got any uh, remedies or any any do-it-yourself that you'd like to share? The CMOS. <laughs> the oh, CMOS is like my go-to remedy. <laughs> and it's funny because I had gotten the uh, final call paper, and there was a doctor in there. She mentioned something about... Um, she mentioned something in there in regards to some medication that she gives, and it's like some type of vitamins um, that she gives the patients. It, it has an anti, I can't pronounce nothing, sper, spermatic property in it, and so does CMOS. So does black seed oil, um, but I sell the black seed capsules. Um, those things, you know, is in the CMOS. 
you know, and they know that she had mentioned that part. I'm like, yeah, I'm on the road to to goodness, you know, with this jab thing, you know, instead of having to take it, you know, just invest in some of that. Yeah, and I definitely try to always keep sea moss and black seed oil in the house. Do you sell black seed oil? I sell the capsules. Um the black seed itself, I don't put them into oil properties. I don't, I just do the capsules. Make sure we got our plug in there for Organic Dispensary LLC. You can check her out on Instagram. Does anyone yeah. else chime in on any of their do-it-yourself remedies or inventions that might have been passed down to you on how to make it if if, uh, you know, if shit hits the fan. Uh, real quick, I, I just wanted to add, like, one of the number one do-it-yourself hacks that I'm pretty sure all of us had learned is how to use a needle and thread, okay? <laughs> exactly right. Empress Maxine? Yes, my mom used to um, boil the Sinecot leaf. You all know what the Sinecot leaf is? Sinecot leaf helps you with your digestive system. So for you to go to the bathroom. So we never got sick. And it's so funny how life came full circle because the tea that I do now, the Tava tea has the Sinecot component. So, and then my mother used to let us go to birthday parties, eat all the candy and cake. And then she would give us the castor oil with honey and lemon. Never got sick. Yeah, my stepmom's here. She said it'll clean you out. <laughs> That's what's up. And lastly, the aniseed. Yeah. And the aniseed, she would boil the aniseed in a in like a mesh and for the baby and put it in the water for the baby for the for the baby's digestive system. Aniseed. Okay. How do you spell that? Aniseed, A-N-I-S-E-E-D. That's what's up. Mm -hmm. Empress Angie, are you are you able to chime in? Are you there? I know y'all have that bad weather on the East Coast. No, I'm here. I don't have any remedies. I mean, I am Puerto Rican. The only thing I just know, I guess the joke about Puerto Ricans is um just putting Vicks like Vicks on your chest, <laughs> under your nose, or maybe put it in some water and kind of, you know, just basically that. So <laughs> that's what's up. Yeah. I mean, I know that, you know, our, our ancestors had to find ways to make their, their jobs easier. And even with, regardless of that, after, you know, we have people who have created multiple gadgets and and inventions whether it's uh you're able to see it like it's tangible or is something that we're using right now in our hands you know something you can't see us streaming online like this i mean we're remarkable people and that's what the god and goddesses in us that that defines who we are that's why we have such big brains so they wanted to analyze that brain but they could never get out of it what they need or want so i definitely know that that we come from greatness 
fax <laughs> with an X. All the X's. Right. Let me create the goddamn fax machine. God damn it. See, you can't even get away from this shit. There is nothing. Not even, you know what? I always tell people, like, people, you know, when they're like, oh, you know, black folks feel like they, whatever. Listen, if you're white, if you're Asian, if you're celebrate that shit. But why can't we celebrate that shit? Do you get what I'm saying? It's okay to have pride in your people. What the? I, first of all, I don't. I don't even want to. And I'm sure you work with different races of people, right? When you work in a hospital, you, you know you got to deal with everybody else. But I would be uh, so turned off by somebody that wanted to be like me. Be yourself. Be love your people. Do you get what I'm saying? Be. I feel like if you're white and you're happy to be white, be happy to fucking be white. If you're fucking Latin, be happy to be Latin. If you're black, if you're Asian, that's just how I feel. So I, for me, I don't see any qualms in saying, oh shit, look what we've done again. We've done it again, right? Just pride in your, in your, yourself. If they could do pride in gender, why we can't do pride in who we are as a people? Because they is racist or reverse racism. So I remember, uh, the empress i never can remember her name but she's uh she's definitely well known y'all know who i'm talking about her name starts with the s and she has a book out right now um or several but she talks about how why can't we be proud of who we are without being told that we're hating on someone else I mean, we should be able to have that pride in who we are and where we come from. We come from a lineage of royalty. And that's one thing they've never wanted to teach us. And they wanted it to start as slavery. But unfortunately, they got shit fucked up. And now because the world is so open to us, we're learning and coming into knowledge of who our true being and selves are. So it gives us more of an understanding of what lies within our DNA and how deep it runs because we're a phenomenal people and we're exceptional and they can never take that from us. And whatever the fuck they want to teach our children in school, we need to know to teach our children at home where we really come from and what our lineage really is defined by. And it's not defined by no damn shackles and chains because we come from greater than that. Look at the fucking pyramids and the obelisk and the the damn statues, the huge uh, sphinx statues and shit that we created. That was our people that did that shit. And as much as they don't want to admit it, it's the truth. And they can blow off the, the big ass noses if they want to, but we know what's there. So, you know, it, it's amazing to me. And I love learning more and more about our people and our collective history because it it shows how remarkable and exceptional we, we are and continue can, we can continue to be if we really hone in on who we truly are and where we came from. Thanks. Because we invented that. <laughs> That's right. Period. <laughs> hey, I want to learn that uh, language touch. Uh, you know, that's definitely something that we need to get on. 
No, but uh, seriously, I know we're talking about invention and do it yourself and stuff. But seriously, Leticia, we need to have this conversation on air. After watch, did you watch the video of what I played for your motivational moment where he popped the woman for telling him he couldn't find the car and it ended? And we, I came back and my face was like, I need to have a talk with Leticia. I don't know how that made me happy. <laughs> But I want her to ride with me when we go to do some shit. Yeah, that was like, yeah, that wasn't the specific clip, but Jackie Brown, man, I love her to life because in that story, it was just her overcoming all the obstacles and the menial, minuscule pay and the damn jackass, uh, T-A-B-C, whatever the fuck they are called, A-T-F. They wanted to get at her, and then you had the the sleazy uh, was Samuel Jackson trying to fuck over her, and then the white girl and Robert De Niro wanted to fuck over her, and so she, she at the end of the day she got the bag. So that's that definitely. But I'll go with that too, Sydney. We can ride, we can ride, ride out. Yeah, it was one of those like moments where you kind of go. I don't even know who she is, and I love every bit of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely have that, uh, can have that uh, effect on people. Who are like, wait, wait a minute, where'd that come from? Yeah, that little twist there. Just keep you guessing. I got a little fun fact about, um, yeah, a little fun fact about Jackie Brown. Um, oh my God, I just forgot her, her real name. <laughs> Pamela but anyway, Greer. they were. Do you remember when everybody, Pamela Greer, Lord, I'm having a senior moment. Pamela Greer, do you remember when everybody made a big deal when Halle Berry flashed her boobs? Do y'all remember that? And everybody went crazy. It. She was not the first one. It was Pam Greer who I showed her boobs all uneven and everything. One her boobs was bigger than the other. No, it's Pam Greer. Pam Greer was the first one to show the boobs on the screen. I have to find that. I'm going to place that clip if I can find Go that look again. it up. Pam Greer is the first to show her boobs in her B movie. Yes. And all natural. Yeah, I love her. She's one of my favorites. I I, I pay homage to her. Let's see what, what we got. Now, here's here's another one. So when I retired from the Navy and got out and started the consulting business working and one of my risk averse friends that was staying in the military for its its welfare program right it's a it's a paycheck right and he the guy wasn't you know he wasn't all fired up anymore but he was in and so he had a mortgage to pay and kids to feed so he's just staying in and he he kind of looked at me when I was getting out and I said yeah man I got bills to pay too but I'm gonna go and get, get after it somehow and he said, what are you going to do if it, if it, you know, if the business doesn't work and you end up, you know, you're going to come back in and I'm, what, what are you going to do? You won't be able to get back in, blah, 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 blah. And I said, bro, worst case scenario, everything goes to hell. Guess what I'm going to be doing? I have an RV. I will be in my RV with my family. We'll be driving up and down the coast of California, raiding jujitsu schools and training, and I'll be surfing. And it's all good. And it won't cost me barely anything to do that. My retirement will cover will be good to go. You got a backup plan like that? Uh, well, let me let me rephrase yeah. that. If 
you needed a backup plan like that, mm-hmm. what would it be? This is this is one of my favorite topics. Uh, so I would say that I have an infinite number of backup plans, and the way I think about that is by doing what I call fear setting. So much like you just said, looking at my goals, the worst things that could happen, the ways I could mitigate that, and the way I could get back to where I am now, if all hell struck at once, helps me to remove the fear of taking these these steps that might paralyze me otherwise. The, the second part is by, say, practicing fasting, practicing spending no money for certain periods of time. I don't fear, I would say, the top handful of things that tend to stop people from taking what they perceive as risks. The other very important thing is that risk has a very specific meaning for me. And I realized early on that people talk about risk tolerance, taking risks, but if they don't define it clearly, it can it can end up being paralyzing and how nebulous it is. So for me, risk is very simple. It is the likelihood of an irreversible negative outcome. That's it. So most things I do, even though people look at it, they say, oh my God, this guy's investing in speculative startups when it's just one guy and an idea. Man, he's a risk taker. I don't view myself that way at all. I view myself as, if anything, someone who's very, has taken a lot of time to get good at mitigating risk. I'm a risk mitigator. Uh, And in the case of, say, speculative investing, I am only using money that I can comfortably afford to lose. Mm -hmm. And for me, backup plan, similar to yourself. (laughs) You know, throw my dog in an RV, get get some instant oatmeal, Sleeping bag, Yosemite's right in my backyard. I don't know, I'll go find some dirt bag climbers and hang out there. Good to go. Yeah, go hang out with my parents, get to see more of them, go for a run in the woods yeah. while I'm trying to figure out the next step. It's the- and you had that attitude when you were taking more legitimate risk. I mean, right now, obviously, you're, you're pretty good to go. And, but, but in the beginning, when you moved out to the West Coast, you, ha- you had to have the similar attitude. Because I know I did. That, that, that attitude for me freed me. Yeah. Like, oh, worst case scenario, I lose everything. Cool. I'll still have my RV. It's paid for. Yeah. yeah. We're good. Yeah, totally. I, I had that attitude. Not more surfboards than <laughs> any other human should ever have. But and, and not knives and surfboards. <laughs> I, uh, we roll deep. <laughs> I, I, I think I had that realization early on. And of course, when I first graduated from school, went out to the West Coast, uh, I did not have a lot of money. I remember when I came out to California for the first time for a job interview, I couldn't afford a hotel. I stayed at the Fairtex kickboxing gym on the second floor, sleeping on a bunk bed with a Thai instructor sleeping above me, and washed my clothes in the sink. <laughs> Good to go. And I was happy. Uh, I mean, uh, I was fully content. I, I didn't feel like I was missing anything. And uh, uh, But let's not kid ourselves. I mean, when I first moved out, it was 1999. This is at the peak of the bubble. Rental prices are out of control. And I was making 40 grand a year pre-tax. And Get uh, some. Yeah. And my my office, my desk was in the fire exit. I mean, they, they was completely illegal. I, I was I, I had <laughs> I, I had a, a pretty slick setup, but it was very low budget. And uh, but, but really what I think freed me on some level is realizing, and this hopefully this doesn't sound prickish or arrogant or whatever, but no matter what 
difficulties might befall me, whatever uh, unemployment might come my way, there are people with fewer resources, with less education, who have figured it out before and survived. So if dozens or hundreds or thousands of millions of people have figured this out, I'm going to come out the other end and be fine. And uh, so that, that was very reassuring to me. Boom. Y'all got y'all backup plans, ladies. Definitely. And love life. All that. Yeah, Cindy. Uh, he touched on a lot, like even the fasting part, trying to go down to one meal a day or no meal for several days, like preparing your body for for those certain things like food shortage that we're foreseeing, uh, which is inevitable. So, yeah, and prepping definitely need to prepare in any way, shape or form, whether it's storing water, gas, you know, making sure you have canned goods, food, you know how to grow food, things of that nature. How do you have a bug out bag? Things of that nature. I mean, I've learned so much over the course of the year just through uh, this pandemic on what I need to prepare and how to prepare for what's to come. Anybody else uh, prepared or preparing? Yeah, I would say I'm in the state of preparation. I just went uh, camping this weekend, actually, for the first time. And I wasn't even prepared for that. Uh, It was a learning experience. I know now to go down the camping aisle (laughs) and look for all um, essentials needed. But uh, yes, I definitely think it's important for us to be prepared for um, a lot, especially nowadays, you know, um, with the vaccine going on, things can be so unpredictable with that. I think that we all should... um, be prepared with some sort of shelter, like a tent, definitely with um, non-perishable foods, um, w- you know, whatever is healthy, because I know nowadays, you know, things are full of all types of synthetic properties, but uh, yeah, water, you know, everybody should be um, really ganging up on water, making sure you have plenty of water and stuff like that, and yeah, we need a, a good uh, dugout bag. All types of things. Anybody else want to chime in on uh, preparing and having a backup plan ready? Whether it's for a catastrophe or even for your business. Like if, some, if things were to, you know, like go awry to where you needed a backup plan to run your business. Um. I will say two, twofold for as far as the bug out bag, that's something that I need to get going. Um, I have my tactical knives, machete in case if we need to chop or do whatever. I have my combat boots. We have canned goods. We have coal. We have wood. Those are the things that we have. Um, as far as my business, because of the kind of work I do, I do contract work. So I kind of use my contracting um, money to offset my business. Because my corporation is still just new, is newer. So that way I always make sure that I try to keep products on hand in case anybody needs to come to the house. So I could do that or online. So usually I guess the, so I would say the backup would make sure that everybody can buy my products online. 
Yo, on some real life shit, Maxine is the equalizer on the low. Y'all keep sleeping on her. She's the equalizer. That is not the first time I heard about her, all the shit she got in a dungeon, in treasure chests, ready to fucking <laughs> mash people up. She's not playing. Don't show up at Maxine's house. Y'all, I'm going to let you know. Yeah, she I'm got playing. machetes. She ain't playing. She ain't playing. Who else? Okay, what's the plan? What's the plan? If shit goes left, come on, ladies. What's the plan? Come on. Because we got these days, we, you know what my plan is? I knew that everything I do is through the motherfucking internet. And I was sitting here thinking, you know what? If I get knocked off, they just going to ride it out. Nobody, whoever's not in New York, I would have rode it out. And then I'd come back, hit in broadcast or whatever. And then I would still been able to, to grab the show. But I also said to myself, I'm going to wear a onesie today. I'm in a onesie, y'all. I'm in a onesie in case, like, the world ended. Because my whole thing was like, do you really want to be in some tight shit? Nah, you want to be in some comfortable shit. And I got on my sneakers right now, which is hilarious. Onesies and sneakers. And th this is probably not a fun fact for y'all. But this is something that I would say on a date. Because there's two things I'd say on a date. One of my questions on a date, I would always say, what does your porn collection look like? Because I would want to know and need to know what kind of freaky shit they into. And the other question, the other thing that I would tell them is I would say to them, they'd be like, what kind of underwears do you wear? And I would say, I don't wear underwear. So I don't have to worry about washing those. So thank you, ladies. Next. That just took me out. <laughs> Uh, uh, Cindy, that was hilarious. <laughs> um, I, I want to get there. I want to get to that point that I could comfortably say that to someone. <laughs> I'm not wearing any underwear, but it's too much of this fupa going on. I need something to secure it. <laughs> Wait a second, but let me keep it real. The reason why is because now I, I don't, I don't. After I had my um my, my malignant tumor, they went in and they took the top half of my womb. I don't get my period anymore. It was just like, I miss it. Even though that's not a topic, I miss my menstruation because I miss the whole detox thing. You know, I definitely got to hit up organic dispensary. I miss that I did hit up Maxine and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Get my little Joni products, Jackie Q. And, you know, whatever the hell y'all are selling. I need all that because I need to detox. Because it really bothers me that I don't I don't have to wear a pad. Like, it really fucking... So now I'm, I'm, I'm not free balling because I ain't on balls. But I'm really airing out, right? Like, on some, like, just rock out. With my vagina, I, I don't know. It just feels, I'm not going to lie to you. You get to a certain age and you get comfortable. And not that this is like a backup plan or anything. It was just one of those, I woke up one day and was like, what do I need to wear this shit for? You know what I'm saying? And y'all know, right, as, as black women, the shit get all mashed up in your, in your backside, the fucking panty liners. Everything's just so uncomfortable. And between the bra and the underwear... This was a way to oppress us. I don't care what nobody fucking say. Men don't have to fucking wear this stupid shit. So why the fuck we gotta wear all this shit? I'm just telling you, I really hate underclothes. At a, I just, I want to go back to Africa. Like, for real. Like, to a tribe that doesn't, like, the Senegal people that want to kill everybody, they end up on, like, 
I could go back to that and I would be so fucking comfortable. And I've never been to like, I don't know if any of you ever been to like one of those, um, temptation island type of things where everybody's naked and shit but i mean it's 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 still perverse right because you know the white people are just so happy to see you naked and shit like oh my god you know cassandra you know like that and so my whole thing is like i just want to go somewhere and just feel comfortable and my backup plan is actually for us to take it to the next level have our legacy it will be done whether the fucking grid is up or not we will have our fucking legacy, okay? I don't care if I got to write this shit in fucking scrolls or burn it and fucking cement it and put it in bottles and bottle it and drop it in a fucking sewer somewhere. We will have that. All right, I, I've had enough. I, I, y'all have had enough, me. Go ahead. So, Cindy, are you like a nudist? You know what's so crazy? I'm not really a nudist. I, I do have the, the, uh, we need to have a sex show, by the way, ladies. <laughs> we need to have that. Thank you. Thank you. I have this. I like, I like, I like looking. I'm like one of those people that I'd be like, oh my God, they're doing it. And just like, stop and just be looking. I like looking, you know, not through a keyhole and no, no shit. I like doing it. <laughs> You're a voyeur. Yes. That I think that's what it is. I like looking. See, she likes she likes just getting to it. That's that's what I'm talking about. Everybody play their position in life, and life will be so much easier. That for me, I just I like looking. I don't, you know, it'll be like, no, no, don't judge me. I just want to look like that, right? So I'm with you, Cindy. Yeah, I, I want to be right there. <laughs> Front row, front <laughs> row. That's where I want to be. Like, no, I don't want a, a part, any parts of it. But <laughs> just allow me, please. Thank you. <laughs> That's all I want. You know what I just thought of? It, even though this conversation has gone left, 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 left. Um, and we're talking about backup plans. I always had a backup plan for when a man did not make me have an orgasm. And my backup plan was to fucking leave, not spend the night or whatever the fuck we were doing, and then go home and take care of myself and never go back to that trifling motherfucker again. There's, and it's funny. That's the worst. <laughs> I can imagine how you could forgive a man for hurting you, but the moment he does not need, do what he needs to do in the fucking bedroom, you owe. <laughs> it's a silent rebellion. It's like it's like 1804 and shit. It's like it's I'm, over. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> shit. So uh, that's uh, yeah. So far left. We should be. Anybody else want to talk about real backup plans? I. I, I have a backup plan. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll bring it back. I'll bring it back to the middle. <laughs> so my grandmother, back in the day, you know, um, and I'm from the South, so we're not too far removed from working in the fields. But my grandma used to, um, like, uh, pick back uh, and cotton. And so did my mom and aunts and, and, you know, uncles. But she used to have this rub for pain. And she would take the wintergreen alcohol and put banana pills in the bottle. So every bottle I've ever seen in my grandmother's house of green rubbing alcohol had banana. I had a like a <laughs> banana pill or two in it, and um, it was for, for arthritis. She used to rub that on her hands and her her wrist and her shoulders and and get me to rub it on her back. So yeah, that's a go-to 
for arthritis and, and pain. Well, all right. Look at that. Okay. That's it. Invention and backup plan all in one. And the banana peels are for the eyes, right? You said you put it on your eyes. It helps make you look young, right? Yes, the banana peels is for dark circles under your eyes. It's for um to lighten up dark spots on your, your face. It's to, you can take it and rub it on your body. It's good for your hair. Yeah, I shared it in the group, but the banana peel has a lot of properties, a lot of healing mm -hmm. properties. So um, definitely, I must share the link again, but check it out or either Google for all the listeners. Google the banana pill and the health benefits from it. Okay, ladies, uh, we're going to go around two minutes. Well, not even two minutes. Uh, we're going to do two things we're grateful for. Go, Angie. Um, as usual, like I said, for, for being a wake up every day and grateful for my friends and family. Jackie. I am grateful for life and I'm grateful for loyal people in my life, supportive people, uplifting and encouraging people. Those two things. Yoshika, baby, organic dispensary. Again, I love saying that name. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. I'm grateful for you guys. Um, I love the support. Um, I'm grateful for life itself. Um, I'm just, I'm just grateful for love. Beautiful. You know what? You wasn't here when we opened up. Tell them your website. Organic Dispensary LLC dot com. Ow! <laughs> Ow! Maxine, what you grateful for? I am always grateful to be waking up each and every day. <clears throat> and I'm grateful for sisterhood, organic, beautiful sisterhood. And um, I just appreciate all you sisters. Thank you. Toreen, what you grateful for? I am grateful for life and my family, my two daughters. And I'm grateful for you all. I'm grateful for this space to be in. I love this sister circle. Girl, you ain't girl, Toreen ain't tell y'all how the psychic lady told her when, when Horace was coming back. Toreen, you, you girl. Okay, we're gonna have to be late. Tell them Horace came back, girl. Tell them about the cat. What? <laughs> okay, yeah. I didn't know. Go ahead, please share. So yes, so my cat Horace has been gone for over two weeks now, roaming the streets. And I have literally been worried, sick, been having many sleepless nights trying to look for this cat and bring him home. And I literally was just talking to Cindy about it. And, you know, she was she always thinking of solutions. Um, and she and she thought about that sister that was on the show. Um, I think it was a, two podcasts ago that did our tarot readings and. Um, I got with her and she did a reading for my cat and told me that my cat would return in about six or seven days. And lo and behold, he returns. <laughs> and it's so crazy. My intuition, I, I left on Friday to go camping and my intuition told me he was coming. Like spirit told me like, 
Now, I know you want to go on this camping trip, but you should wait just a little bit longer. And of course, I then drove one out there. And what happens? My neighbor calls and said, yeah, your cat was sitting by your door. And she calls me all late to bring him, uh, you know, to bring him in the, uh, the house. And when I got there, he was gone. But he came back twice since I, you know, been camping. So he literally came back the exact day that she said that he was going to come back. She said that he was all right and that someone was taking care of him. And even the neighbor said he looked fine. Like, you know, looked like he'd been eating, didn't lose no weight or anything like that. So, yeah, I'm waiting for him to, this time when he comes back, I'm going to be home. So, to let him in the house, even if I stay by the steps for a little while. But, but yeah, she's the truth. So, you all know she is definitely the truth. I'm going to wait, Leticia, because I'm going to let you end it. But I'm going to tell you what I'm grateful for. You know, I'm always grateful for you ladies. I love y'all very much. But what I'm truly, really grateful for is the, well, the fact that I haven't had sex in a while. I am just grateful. <laughs> just have some good dick in my life. Do you get what I'm saying? This, this all, you know, I'm about the present, the now, the now, the now. And if I could get that, I'll be good. I'd probably be happier. I think, you know, but that's all right. I guess we could talk, ladies. We could talk until I get some. All right. <laughs> you are a mess, Cindy. I love you. Um, well, I'm thankful for good health and a strong immune system that helped me to overcome whatever it was that I was battling uh, not too long ago. But um, I'm thankful for each and every person, each and every one of you in my tribe, my, my husband, Gino. I'm thankful to him for waiting on me and forcing me to eat when I didn't want to eat. Um, and for my family who was there for me as well, it just goes to show who all's in your corner. And um, I'm just full of uh, gratitude to each and every one of you who reached out and lifted me up um, because it, help me to realize that I do have more than just what I sometimes think. Sometimes I think I'm just, it's just me and no one else really cares. But I know I had you guys and I had my tribe and my husband and my family who helped me with my two, my three, now four-year-old. Um, I had to quarantine from him and that was very difficult. Um, it was almost heartbreaking because he even called me and left a, a crying message of how much he missed me because I was away from him for 10 days. Um, but I'm so thankful to be here. I'm thankful for good health and I'm thankful to each and every one of you. Again, I couldn't ask for better stars to have and, and uh, I appreciate y'all, each and every one of you. Uh, I, I don't know why you want people to cry on here tonight, but I'm not. But I want to say I love all of you because it's not often that you come across beautiful, genuine women in your lifetime. Um, 
most of us can count the number of true friends we have on one hand um, and probably less than three fingers. <laughs> but it's truly a blessing and an honor to be in a group of women that have shared these life experiences and are willing and able to lift each other up because we um, we understand and we all have compassion. And that's all it takes. So I love you guys too. And Leticia, <clears throat> thank you for like leading this group. Appreciate you. And Cindy, thank you for allowing us to use this platform and, and share this love. So, and I'm, that's all I have to say. <laughs> well, night. that takes us out. So we want to thank you all for joining Divine Femininity, the Awakening Show. Um, we want to thank Empress Cindy Ashby. This is a Cindy Ashby production. You can check out the replay on otwtube.com. Don't forget to sign up. And we look forward to seeing you on Hump Day. Well, peace, everyone. We just want to send y'all out with love, peace, and good health. Blessings to all. Look it up. Flawed individual. Thanks for keeping the lights on, Deanne. Cindy Ashby. On the wake up. You, the people, have the power. The power to create happiness. Let us use that power. Let us all unite. Let us fight for a new world. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful. To make this life a wonderful adventure. By the promise of these things, brutes have risen to power. But they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. Now let us fight to fulfill that promise. Let us all unite. OTWTube.com, uncensored free speech platform.